The Acts of the Apostles highlights God's plan of salvation and how God established the new era that resulted in Jesus' ministry, death, and resurrection explains how a seemingly new movement is actually rooted in ancient promises of God associated with Judaism and yet includes Gentiles. Okay, so you have this idea that there's this there's these polar opposites that, that it's being revealed and, and, and it's just surprising, right? So Acts is this kind of surprising nature of how the gospel is spreading. He goes on to say this, the real center of the book, the book of Acts, however, is, and listen to this, is God. Now, that seems obvious, right? Like, well, obviously, the, the, the Bible is about God. But I think sometimes we forget that. <laughs> I think sometimes, especially when we go through something like the book of Acts, where we listen to the stories about these awesome things and these amazing things that God accomplishes through the people of the church, we can often go, like, look at Paul. He's awesome. Look at, look at the Silas. They're awesome. And look at all what they did. Like, they're awesome. And look at all these things. They're awesome. And, and we can often forget that the book of Acts is actually primarily about God and how awesome he is. This uh, same scholar says that the, at key junctures, God enables, directs, protects, and orchestrates. In other words, the story behind the story of how God accomplished the uh, work of turning the world upside down. I don't know if you understand the impact of Christianity and the impact of these followers of the way in, in, in the trajectory of the world's movement towards morality, the world's movement towards this idea of ethos and all the kind of stuff. It literally turned the world upside down. The story of how God accomplished, accomplished turning the world upside down is, the, is first and foremost defined by the reality that God is at the center of it, not necessarily the early church and the early followers. And we have to remember that. It was God who filled ordinary people with his spirit to accomplish extraordinary or extraordinary things. It was God who took a Christian-hating murderer and transformed him into one of history's most significant Christian evangelists and author of almost half the books of the New Testament. It was God, and it is still only God who can and does do the same things through, guess who? You and me. Changing our hearts, changing other people's hearts, empowering us by his Holy Spirit, and giving us a passion to spread the good news of salvation through Christ to everyone we meet, everywhere we go, every day that we live. And this is important to remember because if we don't understand who God is in this passage, uh, and, and if we don't consider all that God is as we look at this passage of Scripture we're about to read, we can find ourselves really perplexed and maybe even disappointed in the early church. And I, I <laughs> these past three weeks have... If, if you are someone who really uh, thought that the, the early church was something we kind of need, you know, we need to go back to because it was perfect back then. And this, these last few weeks have been really disappointing, right? So in chapter, uh, you know, last week we looked, in, in chapter uh, 15, we looked at how the early church leaders, like we had the church leaders, like, you're, like think of the most godly person that you know in your life, okay? And then imagine him being in a petty argument with like, the second most godly person you know in your life. And they're in this argument. And we look at how even the early church leaders failed to avoid conflict and found themselves unable to reconcile differences. Like, this is crazy to think about, right? Like, come on. 
And then two weeks ago in chapter 15, we talked about how the uh, early church battle with legalism uh, really uh, helped us understand what we even face today, this gravitational pull to think less about making it easy for people who are turning to God to be accepted and to think more about ourselves and to be insular and what makes us happy and to think about like what can make us feel good instead of saying, hey, what can we do with our lives so that those who are turning to God, it, we don't make it difficult for them. How do we do that? How do we do it? How do we create a, a way of living? How do we organize ourselves so that those who are turning to God it's, it's easy for them. It actually feels easy for them to feel accepted, to belong, to be part of the family of God. And what we learned is just because your journey of faith towards faith, uh, be, just because your journey towards faith and submission to Jesus worked for you, it doesn't mean your journey is the required way for others to experience the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in their life. I know that sounds crazy, right? Because you have a story. You have a story about how God saved you. You have a story about how, how God delivered you from your sin. You have a story about how you once were lost, but then you became found. And everything that surrounds that story is like deeply meaningful to you. And it, and it, doesn't, it doesn't cross your mind that maybe that isn't the way that other people can experience the wonderful transforming power of God. And so we often just think like, well, if this worked for me, then it must work for you. And then so we get perplexed and confused when we hear other people's story. They look almost maybe even opposite of our experience of how we came to the very same place of saying Jesus Christ is Lord. And we often find ourselves, instead of embracing one another in the unity of our love for Jesus, now having petty arguments and experiencing disunity over the little things that probably don't matter as much when all is said and done. The leaders of the church decided, as we saw in Acts chapter 15, that it was wrong to impose on those from a non-Jewish background a demand to adhere to all Jewish laws and customs, including but not limited to circumcision, right? And so they decided they were going to keep this list pretty basic. If, if, if we look back at Acts chapter 15, the decision the leaders of the early church made was basically to tell these followers of Jesus who didn't grow up with Jewish customs in Jewish culture, and they basically said this, look, if you want to be part of the church, here's the list. One, just don't upset the Christians who come from a Jewish background, who live in your community, by eating meat that was used as a part of worship. It's just, it's just, to, it, listen, it's it, it just, it, this is not going to go well. In fact, we'll talk about this later, but in Romans, um, uh, Paul will call those people the weaker brother, and that's to be debated, like, is that a negative or, or positive thing or whatever, whatnot, but he says, look, just don't eat meat, worship to idols, and by the way, how about you just abstain from sexual immorality? Like, those are the only two. Like, those are, those are, those are the only two rules. Just let's not offend other Christians, and let's not engage in sexual immorality, which we know the scriptures say is a unique sin in the fact that it not only hurts others, but it specifically hurts ourselves, right? We, we've learned that in the scripture when we've talked uh, in, in the past when we've had what I call the sex talks on Sunday. So we're not going to be doing that today, so don't worry. And so that's it. And you read the account of the early church in our passage today, 